You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of our podcast content in conjunction with FanRag Sports at LockedOnPackers.com. I don't want to waste time, and it's not a waste, but I don't want to spend too much time on an intro because we do have the Greg Jennings conversation today. And in it is just a wealth of useful information. We talk about Dom Capers. We talk about Brett Hundley and Mike McCarthy. We talk about how this team can get back on track. And and he goes into depth about his experiences with McCarthy and 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 his experiences with Dom Capers and and how this all connects together and it's just, it's a fascinating, insightful conversation that I want to bring to you in as close to its entirety as can be. The other part of the conversation that we did, we talked for about 45 minutes. I'm going to release as a podcast in the off season when there's a little bit less to talk about, but excerpts from it, and I would say about 60% of it, at least the questions, are in a, a Q&A up on Acme Packing Company right now. So you can go, you can find that conversation. That's a little bit less about the Packers, a little bit less about this season and specifics about football and more about Greg Jennings, the person post-football. It's about whether or not he misses the game, his relationship to the game now as an analyst for Fox Sports. I know he has a complicated relationship with Packer fans because of some of the things that he's said about Aaron Rodgers, things that he has, he has since admitted um, that he had, he did have some some salty feelings about leaving the team, and that colored some of his perceptions of the team. But he has since been extremely effusive in his praise of both Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. And I think um, his insight in this is is just incredibly valuable. He's a, a really nice guy, and I hope that Packer fans can forgive that he played for the Vikings. Now, before we get to that, I just we have to tie up the loose ends of the Martellus Bennett story because he was claimed on waivers Thursday by the New England Patriots in uh, the least surprising move of the season. And so here's what we have to figure out. Here's what we have to parse. There's essentially, well, let's start here. It seems clear the team did not think this injury was legit. And I don't just mean the organization. Richard Rogers had a quote about you know, if you're not in the boat with us, get off. It seems like it was clear he just didn't want to be there. And so the Packers gave him his wish. And his grievance that is is going to be filed, the, the team is going to file with him is to recoup some of that salary is going to be predicated on the idea that one of two things happened. He had an injury he didn't tell the team about, which is unlikely. Or the injury never really existed or was not nearly as bad as he made it seem. And that this was his effort to get out of town. 
as more and more information comes out and as we hear from the team and and we hear from media members going back almost two weeks ryan wood from uh packers news um who we had on the show a couple weeks ago was questioning openly questioning this is a reporter for the team openly questioning martellus bennett's commitment to the program and so the, the fact that the team the people covering the team have been dubious about this injury for a while. And and even before the injury popped up, I think that speaks volumes to the perception, at the very least, of what's going on. And what's interesting here is if he suddenly goes to New England, I was talking to Jason Hershorn about this, he has to sit at least a week. Otherwise, he's basically just handing his money back to Green Bay because Green Bay is going to say, the salary, the the contract is void because you lied about an injury to get out of playing. And so you owe us money. And, and you signed this contract not in good faith, basically. And so if he goes to the Patriots and plays right away, he's basically admitting, yeah, I was full of it. And I just wanted to be somewhere else. I wanted to be somewhere I could compete for a title. I don't blame him for wanting to compete for a title. This is... This is not how this works. And the trade deadline had passed, so he couldn't get dealt. And so this is how you force your way off a team. You say, I'm hurt. And I didn't want to get into the speculation of it yesterday, but it's just become so clear what has happened here. And it's really, to me, it's sad because I was cheering for Martellus. I liked him as a guy. I loved him as a player. I wanted Green Bay to sign him when New England signed him. And his play has been disappointing. And then now this is 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 pretty disappointing. And it's another wacky chapter in what is a wacky season for the Green Bay Packers. It is Bears week, as I mentioned, so be sure to check out Locked on Bears. And the Bucks make a trade for Eric Bledsoe. They do not have to give up Malcolm Brogdon, do not have to give up any of their core. And they get Eric Bledsoe, who is a dynamic point guard. He upgrades the talent on this team. Check out Locked on Bucks. Those guys do a terrific job. All right, there isn't anything to talk about injury-wise, really. Um, Ahmad Brooks, again, limited in practice. Justin McCray, again, limited in practice. Nick Perry now apparently has a foot injury. He's limited. All of those guys are probably going to play. There's really no updates injury-wise, so we don't have to get into that. That's great. That means we can get to the Greg Jennings interview. Greg is now an analyst on Fox Sports 1. You can follow him on Twitter at Greg Jennings. He's on all the different Fox Sports talking head shows, talking, you know, the debate shows about all the news of the day. He, he particularly contributes NFL-wise. He does a lot of stuff with NFL. He was on Katie Nolan's show at the Super Bowl last year. He was great on that show. And he lives in Minnesota now with, with his incredible little family, apparently, all, all who are, have, have taken up golf. And, and this conversation, I think you're really going to enjoy. So let's get now to that conversation with Greg. Greg, thanks for joining the show. How are you? I'm doing good. I remember, um, I don't remember if it was 12 or, or 13. And so if it was 13, you would have been in Minnesota, right? But there yeah. was there was a week where there was some talk out of the lock. And you were there for, for when Dom was there. So, I, you know, I think you can speak to this a little bit. Where even Charles Woodson, who you said was not the most vocal guy, there had been some frustration maybe about the calls and, and guys not being in the right positions. Can you can you remember? Because it seems like there's 
at least from a fan and media perspective, there's some dissatisfaction with the way that defense looks in Green Bay and some of the, you know, trying to get a little too cute maybe and not having an identity. Can you recall some of the conversations? You don't have to name names about just like, it seemed like there has long been a frustration from players about that defense and guys not being where they need to be. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, specifically when, before even Dom came with Bob Sanders and they made the transition to Dom, uh, there was a moment where, with Bob Sanders, where uh, he wanted to get rid of Charles, Nick Collins, and Al Harris. Like, he legitimately wanted them gone. And and Mike was like, what? Basically, (laughs) yes. Like, huh? And so Bob, obviously, he ended up letting Bob go. And Dom comes in, and they they start to click. But even then, when they were having the success, it's, it gets to a point where, as players, when you've been with a coach for so long, and Mike McCarthy, he really understands this, you got to let them, you got to let them have a voice. They have to have a voice. You have to trust them enough to say, you know what, this is my defense, and I call the defense, and I, I, I organized it. You guys run it. But at some point when your players are on the field and you know that you can trust them, you got to allow them to be able to tell you and you listen, not just hear them, but you listen and them tell you because they know the flow of the game. They see the floor. They, they're in it. It's like, this isn't working. I know, you know, we have to execute, but this just isn't working. Can we try something different? You have to be open-minded and willing to really listen to your players who are on the field and give it a try. And I'm not just saying call it once or twice. Like, give it a couple series. And that's the one thing Mike McCarthy was always good at. And he, he would come in a meeting and he would say, I mean, guys, I mean, I can give I can get suggestions all day, but what do you guys think? Like what what Greg Jordy, Aaron? Like you got this is your this is your offense. What do you? And it he, and he meant it. Now now he didn't always just do it every time, but the fact that he would even allow us that that leeway to to be able to voice and actually function functionally go out and do what it is we put together our thoughts, it made us, it, it put more ownership on the player to say, you know what, you, this is what you guys want to do, make it work. And I feel like when, and there, there was definitely times with that defense with Charles and Nick Collins and Tremont and Nick Barnett and those guys, they, they challenged Dom to let them do it. Like, trust, trust us, this works. Trust us. And so when you look at them now, um, obviously with Aaron being out, you have uh, a Morgan Burnett and a HaHa Clinton Dix who you can really – you can trust those two guys. You can trust the Clay Matthews. You can trust those guys. And so there are, there are certain guys that you have to go to and say, okay, look, what are we not doing? What am I missing? Because – I don't care who you are, what what you're doing, what field you're in. If you are failing to see you, you have to allow somebody else 
to see you because you see them. You can tell, I guarantee Dom can tell them everything that they're, he feels that they're not doing, but not every coach is willing to listen to from a player's perspective on what it is you're failing to allow us to do. And so I think that's where they are. Like you, you have guys who on that, on that defense, you can trust. Not all of them, not all of them, but you, you know, you have some guys that you can really pull into your office and say, look, guys, what am I missing here? And, and really take to heart what they say and go out and implement those things and you will get a better, not it's, and it's not that guys aren't putting forth effort, but when you, when you bring something to the table, it's like you want it to work that much more. And so it's not that you give a greater effort, but you make sure you're communicating. You make sure you're telling him, look, guys, look, now we, he let, he's letting us do this. He's giving us some leeway here. You're invested we on a different level. Yeah. It, exactly. Exactly. And so that's what I feel like they have to do. That's what I've seen done in the past when you had the Charles Woodsons, the Nick Collins, the Tremont Williams, those guys who you can really lean and depend heavily on and they would they would get it done. They have a few guys on that defense that he can do that with that I mean, they never bring in guys that just aren't high IQ guys and just not even just football, but just in life. Like they're just very, very intelligent, very smart guys, very well grounded, put together human beings. They they can they can work together and figure some things out. Yeah, there was there was a joke a a couple years ago. They drafted like two Stanford guys and a Northwestern guy, and it was like, oh, the Packers are picking all all these smart dudes. Like that that makes some sense. Are have you been surprised? I mean, it's it's cool to hear you talk about the collaboration with McCarthy. I, I talked to people in the league, around the league, who thought that the Brett Hundley thing would work out better than it has. And part of the reason is because they trust Mike McCarthy to have gotten him ready to have this great game plan and put him in a position to succeed. And he hasn't to this point. Have you been surprised that it hasn't worked out a little bit better? You know, I'm more, I think what I'm most surprised with is when I watched, not the first game, but this last game, this Monday night game, when they came out, you saw him allow Brett to, come out the gate, throwing some quick passes and check downs and different things to kind of get them going. What, what I was most surprised about after that first possession was that he didn't allow him to just go. He kept him right there. You know what I mean? Like he didn't, there, he, didn't, he didn't say, okay, you know what? We're going to go no huddle. I'm going to see what you got. Let's go. Because that's the only way you know when a guy has it or he doesn't, when you can give him the offense and say, look, you know what we do, let's run it. I'm putting the offense in your hand for a series. And at the end, toward the end of the game, you saw him becoming more comfortable because they were in a no huddle, hurry up style offense. Sometimes that's what you have to do. You eliminate the thinking now. Because it's all about making plays. It's all about continuing to, to methodically move that ball down the field, it, which to the, average, to the novice fan who are, who's watching, consumer, they're thinking, well, why can't they do that every time? Because you're, when you're in a pressure situation, your mind just doesn't think, like, this is it. This is it. 
your mind thinks like I have time. You, it's just it, that's just the way we are. That's human nature. When you know you have time, you are not you're not as quick to put the pressure on yourself to where I don't have any other chance. I don't have any other options now. And you can't overcome anything. Well, when you have that pressure, you kind of know, like, this is it. So mentally, you get a whole nother output that you typically wouldn't get when you don't, when you do have that time, when you do have options, when you do have a window. But when that window is shutting and you see it shutting, it's like you're trying to get through it as fast as possible and you're doing whatever. You're not thinking as much. You're just playing. And I feel like that's what they have to do because we, we, we know he can play. But number one, like one of the things that, that I noticed, and when you watch him in college, he did it too. One, and I, I think Aaron, Aaron has to share this with him because we used to get on Aaron about this. He holds the ball too long. When it's not yeah. there, it's not there. Get, let it go. Aaron had that so bad. If you go back and you watch in 2008 and nine. Like he used to get sacked so much because he just would not throw the ball away. He would not do it. He, I mean, he would get sacked so much. It's like, dude, throw it away. I mean, we used to have to tell him, just throw it away. Come into the sideline, throw the ball away, throw the ball away. Those are, those are things that I feel like Aaron can help him with because he experienced that. He went through that. Look, Brett, this was something that I struggled with. I get it. You want to make a play. You want to hold on long enough to where you're given every second and everyone an opportunity to uncover and, and make a throw, a last-second throw or a last-minute throw or whatever. But at some point, you got to think about the time and what I'm doing to the rest of my guys being my offensive linemen. They can't, they, they cannot, they cannot block and sustain blocks for that long without getting the holdings. So you'll see the holding calls go up and different things like that, because it's like, you're holding the ball too long, man. We can't, we can't operate that long. No one does. Um, so that's one thing that he has to eliminate. But I think if you just let him go, give him that leeway of, okay, I'm not going to just tell you going into the game, because I remember even being here with a young Teddy Bridgewater his first year, and Norm, and Norm was telling him, okay, if you don't have this, like literally, as he called the play, he would tell him who he had, who he should be throwing to, or if you don't have this person, you got your check down. You can't do that to a quarterback. You, you can't do that to a quarterback. Even though he's a young you got to allow him to make his own mistakes, because the only way you can correct the, your mistakes is if you make them yourself. If 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 someone's telling you what to do and that's not what you would have done, the moment they give you that freedom, you're going to do what you do and now you're going to make your own mistakes. So you might as well just let them make their own mistakes because now they will be able to self-correct, not be robotic, and now, now they got to correct what you did because they didn't do it the way you wanted them to do it. And so once they have the opportunity to do it, they're going to make their own mistakes and now they got to correct that too so it's like just just let them correct their own mistakes because at the end of the day they're the ones out there playing so don't put too much in their head just let them call the play they know their progressions trust that he knows 
I'm, Brett is a smart kid. Like he's in there. He when you listen to him in interviews and just talking, he has a confidence in himself. It's just a it's a matter of getting the experience and just having the trust that you know what I know they trust me. He's gonna let me play. I'm gonna go play. Yeah. All right. You have been incredibly generous with your time. Let me let me ask one more thing, and and I'll let you go blow leaves. So. so <laughs> the, the the game ceiling play in the Super Bowl. It's a it's a famous throw over the outstretched fingertips of Ike Taylor. You you make the catch. You get rocked, I think, by Troy Polamalu. Is that am I remembering it correctly? <laughs> I, I, this yeah. so I don't think that play has ever gotten enough credit for both the throw and the catch. It to me, it should be like one of the iconic plays of the last. 10 years because I just think the geometry of it does not make sense. It should not have been able to happen. You should not have been able to hold on to it. And Palomalu is like a half step too slow. Can you just walk me through that play? The third and 10. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, over the middle of the field. Yeah. Biggest, biggest catch of my career. Hands down, biggest catch of my career. Um, what, what makes it, <clears throat> what the, again, what the, the fan who doesn't really understand scheme and and defensive scheme and coverage, they will never know that that play should have never happened. That should have never been allowed to happen. Never, never. And the fact that Aaron even stayed with me should never happen. He is coached to get off me the moment I don't get inside. And what I mean by that, they were they were playing a a two-man de- two-man defense. They had two deep safeties, and everybody below on the receiver was covered man to man. And they were they, their job is to not let the receiver get inside them because they have no help. If you get inside that defender, you're probably going to get the ball. Well, third and ten, Aaron looks at me in the huddle. He's like, "I'm coming to you." I'm like, "Great." I Taylor's been following me everywhere. I'm literally in my mind as I'm running to the line thinking like, okay, how in the world am I going to get inside Ike Taylor? Because I see us two men as a savvy vet. If there is one person on their defense that's not going to let me get inside or not let someone get inside, it is Ike. And I'm thinking, okay, he's not going to let me get in there. I've, I've never felt like I knew I wasn't going to do something, be able to do something. And I just knew I could not take any chance with dilly-dallying on the line trying to get inside because I would get caught up. And so I gave him a jab, a little hesitation off the line, and just ran around him really quick. And I knew, like, okay, just run, just run. And if I could bend it just enough, which, again, I'm, I'm not even – I'm not open. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not open. <laughs> like, like, I am No, I just pulled up the clip. Open. You're definitely not open. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not open. Like, like you, you, and, and, and like, again, when a quarterback sees that, he is taught, get off of him. Go to the next, go to the next option. With, but when it's, it's one of those things where mind over matter, man, like, you don't care what the circumstance or situation presents. You, you got to beat it. You got to, you got to win. You got to come out on top. And, I mean, when I say if the ball is like a millimeter 
lower or there is just a, a ounce of less velocity like a any like the fact because he tipped the ball and like we didn't know this until afterwards but he got his finger on the ball he would have been able to deflect that ball enough to where I, I never have an opportunity to catch it or it moves enough to where now the track the track of my line of my eye track line is off and I, I, I miss I miss it or it just moves left or right the ball never quite moved in enough to where it interrupted my my eye track line to the ball and again there is no way he should have thrown that <laughs> There, there's a, because I didn't get inside of him. I didn't even attempt to try to go inside. Uh, all I knew is the the middle of the field was wide open, and if I can just get past him enough, Aaron would throw me. I knew Troy was going to hit me. I'm like, okay. And he actually didn't hit me right away. He, I was able to catch it and run about three, four steps, and he clipped my leg. I honestly thought I was gone. I'm like, he's not going to even get to me. And he, he clipped me and I tripped up. And so I get up and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not excited. I'm not like, yes, I made a catch. I'm like, Oh, like I was almost gone. Like that was it. I was disgusted because he hit me and tackled me. But yet that play, the throw, the catch, the execution, the, I mean, it was it was perfect. It was not ideal. It was the right defensive play call against the right offensive play call. It was just, I mean, we've we've heard this time and time again: a better throw and a better catch than the defense was able to come up with a better defense and better execution. A better throw. In a good route, a great throw, a great route will beat great defense every single time. And that's what you saw. Yeah. Craig, I, you have been so generous. I, I, I very much appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I want to thank Greg Jennings again for joining the show. You can go and find that Q&A at Acme Packing Company. The rest of the conversation we will save for the off-season I'll give you a ample time as a heads up uh, so you know that that's coming. There is more in there. It was a long interview. We talked, like I said, for, for 45 minutes, and there's just too much. And I, I couldn't give it to you all in one podcast. It would have been it would have been too long. And so I thought, you know, let's break it up. We have the Q&A. And I just, I found all of that fascinating. I love, I love the idea that, that the iconic play from the Super Bowl, the iconic throw and catch between Rodgers and Jennings, Greg is going to say flat out should not have happened. I mean, he says it more than once. I'm not open. That was that was great. So I hope you enjoyed that. And if you did enjoy it, please tell your friends about the podcast. Tell them about this podcast. Tell them to listen to all. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a review. Leave a rating. Really appreciate it. It really does help what we do here. And when we expand our profile, it allows me to give you more opportunities like this to talk to people like Greg who can give you this type of insight. So it really does benefit you when the show does well. 
It doesn't, it, it's not, I, I do this mostly for fun. This is, this is great for me. This is a passion project for me. So I want to bring you the best content possible. Help me grow the show. Post about it on social media. Post it on Twitter. Post it on Facebook. Tell a friend because I want to bring you more cool stuff like this. You can still get in on the fun on the Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. That's if you leave a review with your name and your Twitter handle in the review on iTunes. Give us five stars. Tell us why you like the show. Just put your name and your Twitter handle in there and you could be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription, a $39.99 value that gets you player grades, fantasy projections, rankings, tools, charts, NFL draft coverage, all sorts of data. It's all there for you. All right, that's that's it for this week on Locked on Packers. We're going to be back Monday to break down Packers-Bears. Not sure what's going to happen. I picked Chicago in the Acme Packing Company picks. I'm not sure I'm going to stick with that. I have said 17-14. I want to believe it's Green Bay, but here's, here's the problem, and I talked about it yesterday with Kevin Fishbane from the Athletic Chicago. The best thing on the field is going to be the Chicago run game. The second best thing on the field is going to be the Bears defense. And so, barring barring a serious change in what we saw from this offense and this defense, I just don't see how Green Bay wins on the road. I'm, I'm sorry, that's how I feel. I want to tell you that it's going to be 17-14 Packers, and I think if it's a close game, Green Bay has a good shot because Brett Hundley in the hurry up, you heard it. That's where he's going to thrive. That's where he belongs. I just... I don't see it against this defense. This defense is stellar. And uh, on the road in a cold game, it's going to be tough. But all is not lost. If they win this game 5-4, and four, they're right in it. So this is a critical game. A Packers-Bears game in November matters again for both teams. This is great. This is, this is why we follow sports. So until Monday, you have to stay locked on Packers.